Jeremy here. Just before we get into the show, wanted to give an update. We have a new tier on our Patreon. That is the Sheikah supporter tier for $5 or more a month. You get a week early access to episodes as well as getting to pick games that you play alongside us. Each month, people in this tier can pick a game that we'll play. We'll stream it on our Discord for everyone else to see. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We just played the Rogue Hero Ruins of Tassos game, uh, which is this roguelike, Zelda-like game that uh, is very similar to the old Four Swords games. It's very chaotic. It's very, very fun. If you want to join up in that, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild. If you can't afford that, we do still have the smaller tier. Just a reminder, people that join in that tier, they get ad-free episodes. They also get access to our side quests episodes, where once a month we record an episode just talking about all the other games that we have been playing. You also get to pick the games that we play in between Zelda games, what we call our Gaiden games, as well as getting a shout-out. If that sounds good to you, once again, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild sign up support us we really appreciate it anyways that's all i have so let's get on with the show another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Chat of the Wild Christmas season. Not particularly any season, just, uh, I don't know, holiday episodes here and there. We're on a production break, so it's kind of nice to sit down and talk about um, just a Zelda game as a whole, as as opposed to breaking it down uh, in little chunks. Uh, this week, we're talking to, um, we're talking about Zelda 2. Uh, Matt, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Matt Bradley Shergi. I'm the host of a podcast, Sequel Cast 2 and Friends. And we've been looking at movies in a franchise, one movie at a time, for uh, since 2009. So for quite a while now. I think there was a one-year break in there. And then lately, we've done some pivoting to do some kind of retro game series. We had a chat with uh, uh, what Ken Williams, the founder of Sierra Online, about yeah. the Mystery House and uh, stuff like that uh phantasmagoria and then recently we had on a um a designer that worked on the simpsons nintendo games so that was fun okay yeah i I believe it was dan kitchen or dave kitchen because he worked with his brothers um um i yeah i just recently talked about that that was absolute entertainment i think they did that? Maybe not. Maybe I'm completely wrong here. Uh, they, they The developer, because uh, it was an acclaimed game, but the developer was, uh, I think, the same people who made Home Alone 2, um, if I'm not mistaken. And 
the Kitchen Brothers that started Absolute Entertainment and brought David Crane in to really, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm full of crap. Yeah, it was and, it was Dan Kitchen. Um, I mean, probably the the most well known thing he worked on was Boy in His Blob, the original. Yes, yes, is is one that's been remade and on different platforms several times. But he's um, he's right nowadays. He's working on Atari Twenty Six Hundred games again. So. Oh, okay. There's a whole market of people making homebrew games that actually physically pay, play on the cartridges, or it's just the ROM file you can play in an emulator. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, when when my wife was uh, learning uh, computer languages, I was like, learn, learn, um, not basic. Um, assembly. Learn assembly. Yeah. You can make me homebrew <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a weird weird company they and they were porting uh all sorts of stuff all over the place till you know till like double dragon on atari 2600 which is just wild to me i, I want to look that up now it, um, it looks very strange it looks better than you think it would like it's okay. not so abstract as it's just like dots uh moving into other dots as they punch and kick each other but <laughs> it's they don't have a lot to work with on the other hand either i mean we uh they haven't had it for the past few years because of COVID, but uh, out here in Portland, Oregon, we have Portland Retro Gaming Expo, and I got to right. see an Atari, uh, I think it's 7800, or is it 7200 for the first time in person? Yeah. 7800. And that was like, uh, really gave the NES a run for its money in some ways. It just kind of came out at the wrong time. and Right. And, uh, and had things been a had, bit different. Had bad uh, management behind it that was really just there. To, as like uh, it was more of a vendetta <laughs> than anything mm-hmm. else, I guess. So I don't think it was the best intentions behind it. What what does the I've never seen a seventy eight hundred controller. What does a seventy eight hundred controller look like? I'll have to Google that. Let me. I don't okay. even remember, but I think because the it, it the could take the twenty six hundred controllers that had backwards compatibility. Well, this is okay. ugly. It, it looks kind of like a Nintendo controller, except in the upper left is the control pad and on the lower right are the buttons. So they're kind of diagonal from each other. Okay. Looks like yeah, I'm looking the, at the, the right 5, thing. The 5200 still had a joystick set up like the 2600 did. I think you could get a joystick too, but it supported so many different peripherals and there was all these generic compatible 2600 controllers. I, I remember you could plug a Genesis controller into an Atari 2600 and it's That's the same right. kind of plug. Uh, yeah, because they they all all the systems basically used the exact same thing until Nintendo came along and was like, n- no, because you can you can plug all that sort of stuff into a master system if you wanted to, the exact same plug setup, and just like you said, the Genesis as well. Um, yeah, old old systems are weird, man. Um, so, well, around this time, Nintendo was just basically eating everyone's lunch during the seventy eight hundreds lifespan <laughs> i guess um and did you play zelda one when it was new um pretty close to when it was new i'm turning 40 in a few months so yeah but i would you know my circumstances around these zelda games is do you want me to talk about that or yeah sure yeah, yeah. okay yeah so I, I was living in argentina at the time going to a private school right and my my, my friends and i all had the the nes the nintendo and uh before I got any games, I could check out their games and see what stuff was like. And uh, I played Zelda two before Zelda one and Zelda oh, okay. two. I liked a lot better. I think 
in, in some ways because it could relate more to the side-scrolling gameplay. And I was into, uh, what was it, Dragon Quest uh, or Dragon Warrior is what they called it at the time, the very first right. one on Nintendo. And so I liked yeah. the RPG mechanics in Zelda 2 and leveling up. I think it just made more sense to me and I was better at it. At the top-down Zeldas and frankly every other Zelda game, I'm absolutely terrible at. I enjoy them, but like uh, a friend of mine years ago lent me the uh, uh, what was the one in the original Game Boy? They just did the remake on uh, Switch. Link's, Link's Awakening. Yeah, Link's Awakening, and I died over a hundred times before getting to Dungeon Three. So, <laughs> I'm, you can still have games and not be an expert at them, but Zelda Two uh, just spoke to me more than the others. Yeah, just by the nature of its like, because it it seems like it. Uh makes sense for the nes you know side scrolling mm-hmm. uh beat em up sort of thing and whereas a lot of people see that as an aberration of the of the series it it it's more at home on that platform almost or at least in of that it's more of that era than maybe zelda one was uh, I, think- I mean dragon warrior has some top downness to it but yeah right and like um, as I recall, I was doing some research for this and Shigeru Miyamoto was very ashamed of this game, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. He, he feels like they were, were bowing to what was happening in the market, like Dragon Quest was such a runaway hit in Japan or Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. So that's why they shoehorned these RPG elements in. And I would still call, you know, the other Zelda games RPGs, but this one has the literal experience points as opposed to, um, I mean, you still find heart container. Or no, that's from Level Up 2, isn't it? No, no, there's, you, there's heart containers. Uh, you level up still... your your health a little bit, but there are heart containers, containers and, well. and right. magic containers in the world. But but certainly, it's uh, it was the first game to give me a nightmare. With uh, I was maybe seven or eight when this like second grade or something when this came when I played this, mm-hmm. and uh, the game over screen with Ganon and the oh, 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 oh. yeah, <laughs> like the bright red thing. I think was just. Uh, terrifying until i played mike tyson's punch out and it's the same sound effect that i think uh soda papinski or someone uses is when it? Laughs. oh okay or it might that the pitch sense. might be slightly different but it's very a uh, peculiar sound no, no i, I definitely it, believe you know that it. um yeah i i think i can't remember exactly what miyamoto said about it but i think he's a sh- like ashamed of it in that weird auteur like design sensibility that he has where it's like he's ashamed of it for like very esoteric reasons of like well if you just you know um i think he hates what is it his quote is he doesn't like rpgs because you can just sit there and grind and then there's really no challenge to it after that and in some ways that's kind of the charm of of rpgs where if if you want to you can make the game easier for yourself if you're willing to just put in the time. But yeah, I, I remember him. I, I I remember that quote somewhere. I mean, I don't remember the quote, but yeah, it, he, he just kind of thinks of this one as it could have been better or something. Yeah, I think he went, it could have been better. And then someone called him out on, oh, you mean Zelda too? And he sort of sheepishly admitted to it because he would. <laughs> so I remember he would hint at it for a while, but wouldn't go out and outright say what it is. And the, the journalist mm-hmm. wouldn't be blunt enough to ask him. And sometimes when you interview, well, you know this, when you interview people, you have to sometimes go for the uncomfortable questions, you know, and you don't, you don't know exactly what they're going to say or, or what have you. But if you don't ask, you're never going to find out. Yeah. 
And then sometimes, or a lot of time with Nintendo, uh, you're interviewing through a PR person who will mm. step in and say, no, you, you can't ask that. Or <laughs> Right, being very, very limited. Um, but yeah, Zelda 2, it was one of those, just looking at the box art, why did the Nintendo of America think, you know, like a shield for Zelda 1 and a sword for Zelda 2 was attractive? Like, you have the Japanese artwork in the manual, the manga-looking stuff, Right, but, but on the front, it's just like weapon. This game has a weapon. Like, okay, uh, yeah, it, it's action, man. It's it's got to be. You know, we we want, especially eighties Americans. You know, like <laughs> we want an action movie. We want somewhat bloodshed or something. Uh, that I talked to someone recently about Pikmin two, and the the people like to bring up the Japanese box art. And I guess in Canada, it was the same thing where it's the Pikmin sitting on the, um, the, the building of the, it was the Chrysler building, that famous picture of all the the Mm -hmm. construction workers sitting there eating lunch. (laughs) And, and in America, it's this, uh, action scene of a crab that doesn't even appear in the game. I don't think (laughs) and the Pikmin trying to kill it. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what they think that's well i mean it's kind of what we wanted i guess what a lot of people i'll I'll give them credit for this cover with the sword like it looks nice it doesn't look uh childish like some of the box arts did at the time like what if we had a Mm -hmm. zelda 2 cover that was like mega man 1 or mega man 2 (laughs) right that would be a million times worse or just the sprite you know graphics sort of oh geez uh, like the really old nintendo stuff with the black box and the yeah yeah, those just don't look great blown up that big. Yeah, this this game always... Because I was never good at either of them back in the day. Mm-hmm. But I definitely spent more time playing Zelda 1 just because it... Uh, I, I don't... I, I guess I, th- I thought I got it. Whereas with Zelda 2, I never really got it. Um, I would... I would wander around and then immediately get into an encounter and then... It was three levels of confusion, all like all real quick back to back. And now I'm in this the side scrolling thing and I don't really know what it has to do with what I was just doing. Um, And so like I just I never played it much until I was an adult. And even then I, I didn't quite get it until I think we covered it for the show and I came away just absolutely loving it. Um, I think the downstab has a lot. I always say that the downstab is when the game really gets going. Um, but yeah, there's just something weird about the the encounter system. It, it is very RPG, and I guess as a kid, I didn't understand RPGs either. So maybe that had a lot to do with it. Maybe the sound effect too is very jarring. Then mm-hmm. bump into the the outlines, yeah, of the, the monsters, and it's nice that they, at least they tell you. Uh, at a glance, if they're going to be difficult or not, based on what the silhouette is. Mm-hmm. But with, I mean, this one, uh, going back to play it for this episode of the show, um, the way the characters speak in the towns is like very stilted. It reminds me of Castlevania II Simon's Quest. Right. In that they often give you, if not bad advice, uh, just like complete nonsense. Confusing advice. Confusing advice at best, yes. And like Zelda has never really been much about plot or at least not in these earlier games. And even then, unless you knew a friend that had played it or got the hint guide or something, you're just mm-hmm. uh, like a lot of games at the time, you're just dropped in there with no idea of what to do. 
except Zelda's sleeping and you got to collect all, go through all the palaces and get the Triforce stuff to wake her up. And, and that's it. And there's a lot of places you can't get to if you go to a cave too early before getting the uh, candle. It's literally complete darkness and there's pits. Like, it's not fair. And it knows that. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point where I just assumed I wasn't supposed to go in there. And so I never found the first palace um, until we covered it on the show. <laughs> oh, wow. I'd never okay. even, yeah, I'd never been in there because I just assumed... I wasn't supposed to, it, it's dark. And so I would just kind of get to all these dead ends and then not look up the answer. Cause I didn't want to, and just kind of bang my head against it for a while and walk away. And like, or, or I had it for the, the, uh, the GameCube collector's disc. And I'd be like, well, I'm just going to go play Zelda one again, or I'm just going to play Ocarina again or something. And, and so I didn't try very hard. Right. And I mean, you see a boulder or something blocking you early on in that first area. Like you can't do Mm -hmm. that without uh, completing the temple, but you don't even know there's really a temple to begin with. Yeah. It's, it's more than just trial and error. It's just being obtuse for the sake of it. In in like dragon warrior, at least you're being told, Oh, you got to rescue the princess. She's in a cave. Like that's something. It's not much, but that's (laughs) even if they said like, Hey, uh, if a, I don't know, a townsperson said, Hey, if you go Northwest, there's a temple. If you go, you know, there's some more direct right pointers as to where to go. This is one I feel like you could remake this game and take away a lot of the pain points mm-hmm. and make it more, uh, more accessible. And, uh, yeah. I mean, like with Dragon Warrior, they also speak a lot more words they, they oh, yes. talk in sentences where this is you get like five five words out of a person and it might not be a complete sentence almost and it's so slow when you're talking to the wizard to get your magic spells and stuff mm-hmm. and, and not to mention i mean kind of a a, a salty moment for N- nintendo you can have a girl invite you to a room and she fills up your health meter yeah like that and then i assume then that's implying something uh yes that's true yeah <laughs> There's, there's two ladies. That's right. Link is uh, going all around town there. So, um, and, and, and sometimes you have those side quests, right? Where you're rescuing the kid that's lost or those are the, the toughest too, because mm-hmm. it's like, how do you find those? Um, unless you know what you're doing, like the, the kid who's lost in the maze is just now I know he's there. I, you know, I've, I've beaten this game three times in the last, um, probably four years now and i just know where he is <laughs> i know i know how to get to him i know how to get to the uh like the water is really easy that you just head to the fountain there's a lady who's like i'm so thirsty and you just kind of go 10 feet to the left and and uh there's a fountain and you just bring it back and she's like why didn't i think of that <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of really weird odd things like that in the game i guess i don't know I, th- I think my favorite part about it is really just the combat. The combat, like you said, when you get upgraded, gets pretty good, especially upgrading the shield and um, that you have some of these enemies have bizarre attack patterns like the spiders when they get off the webs. Mm-hmm. And But once you get all the skills maxed out, I wouldn't ever call this game easy, but it at least becomes a bit more manageable mm-hmm. because you can uh, up strike or down strike. 
or uh, cast the spells to restore health. Uh, shield, shield is shield. an important spell. Yes, that of I course. Always forget about. Um, yeah. I I just think that the town of uh or or however it's ever pronounced. Um, I always think that there's nothing there. It's like a starter town of, hey, how you doing? Here's the first town, sort of thing, and uh, and forget to look for the old man. But uh, yeah, that's a very important spell to have in some of the dungeons because you'll you'll get into like that's where a lot of the really really rough guys are, like the dark nuts and things. Yep, and in the dungeons in particular, um, just like in parts of the caves, it's uh, there's a low ceiling, so you do you can't always use the jump spell and jump out of the way. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to take the hit or hopefully try and keep your health up uh, high enough where you can do the attack from a distance. Yeah. Or it's uh, you know because if you can if you can make it to a dungeon with enough health uh, or with enough lives because this game also has lives, um, you can you can make it through a dungeon pretty easily on three lives, uh, especially because you'll get um, what is it? you'll you'll get started off at the room where you die as opposed to like at the beginning of the temple or you know or something like that or, or the dungeon. But um, it's manageable. Like the the dungeons themselves are 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 actually kind of manageable, and I, I like that the it's the introduction of you know like multi leveled. You know, you have to kind of think about floors in this, whereas in the first game, it's well, you could you could find a, a hidden basement where maybe a, a bow or the raft is hidden, but you, you have to actually you know you have to search these in a different way, right. And I almost wonder if they ever considered doing a Zelda game, another Zelda game with these kind of mechanics. Because other than like you have those little side scrolling sequences in uh, Link's Awakening. When you're right, um, right. going into little caves or rooms or what have you, but those are very brief sequences. Mm-hmm. And, and I you never have the feather and, and stuff where you, yeah, have you have the feather platform. Uh, but um and I never played that one on 3DS. I heard that was really good. That was, uh, oh yeah, that has some side scrolling in it too, doesn't it? Where you go from 3D to 2D. Uh, yeah, of... I mean, it's more of a you're you're a painting on the wall, and you kind of use that as a way to bypass obstacles or circumvent certain things. Um, you think of it like in in Breath of the Wild, where if you see something, you're like. I don't want to deal with that. And you just hop on a wall and climb mm. around it or something. I see. Okay. More for um, navigation. But yeah, but then it's also, it it's used for puzzles and stuff. It It's really good. That game is really good. I, I enjoy the crap out of it. We're going to cover it this year. And I'll, I'm, I'm afraid if I'll get to it and be like, I don't like this anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed it when I first played it. Um, There's an it interesting uh, Zelda 2 Link, uh, or not Link. Um, aha. Aha, yes. A, a Zelda 2 story a few years ago where there was a Nintendo leak uh, and of um, a lot of SNES sprites and just kind of internal art. And some of the yeah. stuff for the, I think the satellite view or set of view, whatever it was called, this Japan mm-hmm. only thing. The Satellaview. Yeah, Satellaview had like 16-bit renditions of some Zelda 2 sprites. Wow. And... Like they're really well done. They're not kind of overly like it still looks like Link looks like Link. And it makes me wonder if they had maybe a few test rooms made 
um, before deciding not to go forward with it because they did do a version of Zelda one on that system, but not oh, like uh, uh, not Zelda two with better sprite graphics and I think so like yeah that. huh I yeah I I'd, I'd love for them to do something with it but I I feel like the rest of Zelda fandom would would be upset like you you wasted your time and energy doing this when you could have been doing something else. Well, we have like two or three dynasty warrior Zelda games. I'm not sure if that'd be any worse. Having yeah. <laughs> a Zelda well, yeah, style. they could get someone else to do it. Um, there's plenty of little small Zelda projects. I would, I would love for them to get someone else to do while they work on, you know, the main thing. So, yeah. Um, here, why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break right here and sure. hear from some of our, our network brethren, and we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and I'm inviting you to listen to Our Three Cents, a weekly podcast where myself and two of my very best gaming chums are counting down our top 100 favorite video games of all time. For all the episodes and information, check out our website, www.our3cents.co.uk. Hey Lassie, what are you doing here? Timmy's in a well. Sequelcast 2 and Friends is a podcast looking at movies in a franchise, one film at a time, like Harry Potter, Hellraiser, and The Hobbit. And sometimes the hosts talk about video games and TV as well. And now it's part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Oh Lassie, we don't need to rescue Timmy. He likes the well well enough, I guess. Darth Vader is Luke's father. Lassie, I told you to lay off the spoilers. I think the first really big obstacle other like let's say you you kind of get the game figured out you actually find a palace you're you're able to actually do this maybe it, through help from friends um on the playground I I think the first really big obstacle though is Death Mountain um it is a big old gauntlet it is a maze if you don't know what to do it is somewhat of a pain and at the end, you get the hammer, and it really opens up the world. And then you also are able to get the uh, the downstab not too long after that as well. So it really it really benefits uh, the player to get through Death Mountain. But I just I hate it every time. It's pretty annoying with the mazes, like he said. And before then, you're pretty much led. Uh, it's not a tutorial exactly, but you're kind of led down these uh, paths that only go one or two places. And you go from one town to the next town to the next town. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the graveyard and start going beyond all that and get into the, the mountains. And it's just uh, such a sharp spike in difficulty. And um, in a way, I mean, that's it tells you you should probably grind before coming here. Because you're yeah. going to get slapped around by all the enemies. You're going to, you know, trying to to manage your magic and your life. And when you level up that you get to pick which which one you level up, I think is a nice mechanic. Mm -hmm. If not also kind of tough to figure out because you can, you can level up magic, but it won't necessarily uh, make every spell cheaper. It'll make some of them cheaper on a certain level, but that's always been tough for me to figure out. 
And if you don't keep leveling up your sword, which you use the majority of the game to attack with, you're going to not get anywhere really fast. So Yeah, which is usually the thing I try and go for, but it is also the hardest one, I think, to, to level up. It's usually the most expensive. Definitely. Yeah, but then also the, the, the Death Mountain area is where they cheekily hid the the overworld of Zelda 1. That's what it that, that whole area looks like that. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that picture. No, no, not in a long time. Yeah, it it uh it is set up exactly like the Zelda one map, and I'm like, oh, that's really great. I'd I'd love it a lot more if it wasn't my least favorite part of the game. Definitely, you start to think you're hallucinating uh, doing that <laughs> because, like, did I just come out of here? Where did I come out of? These mountains all look the same. Oh, maybe yeah. I can hit myself against this mountain and pass through it. What's going on? And and it's really easy actually. You just go right the whole time. You just pick the rightmost door if you can, and that'll get you through it. Which I'm glad the first time I I got there, I just decided I'm just gonna go right. I'm just you know like like my dad's uh, flipping the coin or or you know strategy for uh black or uh, roulette. Just just pick one thing and stick with it. And see where it takes you. <laughs> and I ended up getting through it pretty easily. And everyone else was just so mad. I was like, I get it. I'm mad too, but I didn't have as bad a time as you guys did, I guess. Sure. Um, not to mention, I mean, the way this game saves your game is just annoying. Yeah, you have to die or game over, right? You have to die and then you always have to start at that first screen with Zelda sleeping, isn't it? Yes. Which in something you have to take a hike to get to places. And if you're, you know, leveled up and fast enough, you can avoid the random encounters for the most part, but it's just why all that extra legwork? It feels like they're trying to extend the length of the game. Or, it, it, yeah. Cause you didn't really have um, save points back then, but even it's just a real slap in your face in terms of respecting your time which games were not great about doing back then. You always started from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Even with the save, like uh, even in Zelda one where it would, I don't, I don't remember if it, if it remembers to drop you into the dungeon you're in or not, but it still starts you out at the very beginning, bottom of the map mm-hmm. every time. Good point. Um, And I I think what hurts more with this one is like you know it, once you get the hammer it makes it a little bit easier to get back to where you were but if you need to if you die and game over in Death Mountain that is that is a trip and making sure that you make it back to Death Mountain with as little damage as possible with all of your lives left so that you can have an easier push through Death Mountain is certainly uh, just a rough experience altogether. We've got the Swamp Palace and the, what is that, the Island? So the first two palaces have names. Then then after that, it's just like Island Palace, Maze Palace. Um, but I, I like to go into the palace and then just get the item and, and leave. <laughs> yeah, just to... They do get a bit tricky, and I like it has, in some of them, with the statue out front, if you strike it, it'll give you mm-hmm. a, a potion, but other times the anemone will come out. That knight, that what the statue looks like, will come alive. It, and it's, like, completely random. Yes. 
And especially in the beginning, you're not really well equipped to fight one of those things. You can, but you have to be on your game with because uh, he he fires the swords above and below and moves pretty mm-hmm. fast and he jumps. So that's sort of uh, the closest you get, at least at that point of the game, of fighting someone that controls like Link that like controls like you do. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't know if anyone's ever maybe back in the day uh, fought those things the way they they thought they intended you to fight them um, by like having this back and forth, uh, you know, up and down, because, you know, if you press down, you, you block low and strike low. And if you press, if you don't, you block it uh, or you, your shield is at, you know, upper level and you, you, you strike at upper level, you know, or whatever. I don't know. But um, I think they intend you to fight them like that. And it's just not practical. (laughs) It's easier to do the the kind of uh, to break the game by doing the the jumping slash thing. Right, right. Um, pits are a big deal in this game. Oh God, they're the worst. The platforming in the dungeons, in particular, where there's the lava, or even on, in some of the water stuff. And uh, I think Link control is pretty good. I think the controls are pretty tight, but it's that same kind of feeling in Mario. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, the uh, the first one, where uh, you got those dumb fish, the the cheap cheeps that are jumping up and knock you into the pit, yes, or or, or like the the eagles in Ninja Gaiden that knock you off the ledge. Yes, like it's that same. It's not that your character controls poorly. It's just there's a lot of these semi random elements that can uh, make you lose all your progress. Yeah, I, I would like it if uh, you fell down a pit and it just. It popped you back up to where you were, flashing, lost some health. Mm-hmm. You're like now, now, don't fall down there again. But no, you, that's a that's an instant kill right there. That's that's loss of life. You know, you do that twice again after that, and you're back to you're back to hanging out with Zelda. Now you are back at the front. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, those are rough. Um, and there's a lot of them too. There's a lot of these little segments where you, I don't know. I, I always call them instances where you you're walking along and whether it's um, like you get to a bridge or sometimes it's, you just step on an unassuming tile and now you're in this like extended sequence. Right. And Sometimes you, if the stuff's really close, sometimes you can just run across them instead of jumping from pillar to pillar. But most of the times you have to do these really well-timed jumps and the combat is already hard enough to begin with. Mm-hmm. I wonder, because I mean, although you do do jumping and have pits in um, the, the other Zelda games, as you were mentioning, it's less punitive. Yeah, I guess in those, they, they definitely do the thing where it's, hey... Hey, watch out. You shouldn't have done that. That's bad. But it just kind of, it takes off like a quarter or a half of a heart and, and slaps you on the wrist and sends you on your way. Oh, yeah. I'd prefer something more like that. Um, see, every time I try and talk about this game, I'm like, man, it's, it's tough. But, but then, <laughs> but then at the end, I'm like, I love this game. I really do. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I think the music is a bit spookier. The, mm-hmm. the temple theme is is a pretty good one. 
I love that temple theme. Yeah, that one's pretty good. You have, um, I mean, actually, in in Japan, it was released for the Nintendo Disk System. So if you play that version, some of the music has a few more, uh, has a bit more punch to it. it has an extra channel of music uh, for, mm-hmm. that can be used for music. Uh, so that that's kind of neat. And uh, I mean, at the end, that last dungeon is difficult, but it's also kind of a neat summation of what you've learned through all the other dungeons. Hmm. Yeah, you get uh, sections where you are looking for hidden floors. You're looking for um, uh, places to use the fairy to like pop out around. You know, because there's that fairy spell that you can use to, you know, get past a room that you're just yes. like, nope. Nope, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, or you know, it, sometimes it's needed to 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 get over like a ledge that you can't even use jump spell to get up without maybe glitching it with like a damage boost or something, which I've I've seen on a couple of those. But um, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff in there. And then if you miss that that hidden floor uh, underneath the blocks. Um, it sends you basically all the way back to the beginning if you follow it that way. <laughs> and uh, you're like, what have I done? What have I done to myself? And then you're really conserving your your magic points in that last dungeon because you ideally need it for lightning to help with the yep. bosses at the end. Um, to in particular, expose the weak point. To expose the, the weak point. And you have um, that one, the, what is it? The uh, the Thunderbird thing, the second to last boss, yeah, was really impressive at that time to see a sprite that big. And uh, looks like a looks like a tattoo. It does look like a tattoo. I, I bet you there's people there with a tattoo of that uh, Thunderbird from Zelda too. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> probably. <if you're> <laughs> but um, I mean, you have the one two punch of that, and then you're doing your uh, the Shadow Link, the Dark Link. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found that very frightening as as a child for some reason i still think it's kind of scary and i'm not sure why but he's because he's he he knows his moves very well and it's a very uh challenging fight Mm -hmm. you have to be on your a game for it and that and that's nice the final boss is is difficult it's not like you're killing ganon with two hits of the arrow and he's dead right or waiting for him to reappear and then yes yeah um, no, that is a tough fight. I mean, I guess I, I usually just hide in the corner and, and spam sword for a while, but, um, Thunderbird was always tough for me. Um, and I think you're, I think you're supposed or I've seen people use jump spell. I, I'm really bad with the jump spell, uh, when it comes to attacking things. Um, there are certain enemies that are, you know, much taller than you, I, I guess bosses that are like twice the height of you. Uh, thinking of like Horsehead and yes, yeah. and the the Lava Dragon. Um, but I every time I try and use the jump spell to beat him up, I always it always ends up being a mistake. <laughs> I'm just bad at it. When you use the jump spell, it just feels a bit clumsy and loose, and it's not mm-hmm. as precise as the regular jump, and it can make things harder inadvertently. But yeah, I didn't really think about that. But you're right; most of the bosses are at least twice or three times your size, and. Um, the other games, I never thought of Link as short, but this one I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did, did, how did you deal with, uh, Kasuto, uh, as a, 
as a kid, did you know that that town was fake and that there was going to be a, a hidden town somewhere else? Because everyone always talks about chopping down a forest with your hammer. Right. No, I knew what to do. And I think it was because I had subscribed to Nintendo Power at the time. And right. one of the one of the benefits, um, they only did this once, but I think they should have done it more. No, no, they did it twice. My mistake. I'm looking at my notes here. It is where half the year you would get issues. The other half of the year you get these hint guides that were pretty well produced. Mm-hmm. And and one of them was just uh, Zelda 1 and Zelda 2 with tons of photos and these really detailed walkthroughs and maps. Um, so I, I had that and I, I used it okay. as my crutch. But also I uh, my friends that had the Nintendo when I lived in Argentina, uh, a lot of them were older and they had already beat these games. So they were telling us what to do while we were playing them. Kind of being backseat okay. drivers, which was helpful, but then also sort of annoying. Want to <laughs> see, well, I want to try to get lost and see what I'm supposed to do. Um, so, but I mean, otherwise, I'm not sure how you would figure these uh, figure these things out. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, I I think for me as a kid, uh, these games were somewhat above my pay grade. Um, I I grew up with Zelda one, but never really fully getting, I think I probably beat a couple of dungeons. I always would beat dungeon one and then go explore. But um, I never had anyone my age who, who also played a Zelda game. Um, I had plenty of friends my age who, who had NESs, but just not Zelda. Um, That's interesting. So what would they play? Like, uh, Played a lot of Mario Brothers, played a lot uh-huh. of uh, Ninja Turtles or oh, sure. licensed crap. Um, you know, Duck Hunt was was still pretty big. Uh, everyone's parent had Tetris, and so you'd at least have that. Um, you know, pretty much anything but Zelda. If you had Zelda, your older brother had it, and your older brother was like, this is not a game for you, little kid, sort of thing. And I, I just had it because... I think my dad got it, but he didn't he didn't play it. Um, I think he got it just because it was it was the game to have. But I I had a, a babysitter who would play my copy and like 100 percent it. <laughs> <laughs> and so there'd be like a file on there of just with everything on it. And I would sometimes use that to wander around and look for stuff. Um, but she was always giving me hints on on Mario one and Mario two to be like, hey, here's where all the hidden crap is. Uh, but I never got any hints from her and Zelda. I think it was just because, uh, you know, something as simple as there's a burnable spot on every screen would have been nice to know. Would have would have lent a lot more to the game, I think. Yeah, I've been... Um, oh, there's this really good uh, blog. Um, this isn't quite Zelda-related, but it's called The CRPG Addict. This guy plays old PC computer games. Yeah. And he uses Excel to map stuff out, which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah. Instead of using the graph paper, which the graph paper <laughs> works, but the, if especially you try to do like the Zelda 1 map, that takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. I mean, to fold it, unfold it every time. <laughs> or if you want to share that with someone, you can't like print screen or something or... yeah you can't really i mean you if you fold it up and put it in your pocket you might toss it out by accident or get it all broken or, or what smear have you. the paper the smear the paper or... the colors right the colors could bleed into each other mm-hmm. uh, all the 
annoying things of dealing with <laughs> physical media. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't do a lot of map drawing. I guess maybe for for Metroid, but um, not until I was like older when I when I played. You know, maybe some of the like Super Nintendo games and stuff like that. But I just never. It never occurred to me that I could draw my own maps or take notes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I thought head. about that. Every instruction manual back then had a note section. Mm-hmm. I never knew one person that used it. I never did. Also, the paper <laughs> was glossy. It was difficult to write on. With Why pencil. would you write on that? <laughs> right. You're devaluing. Not that anyone cared about that back then, but. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I definitely kept. I kept all of my manuals. I kept all of my boxes. Uh, I just never kept the. Every game came with the same Nintendo manual. Oh, like here's the manual for the system itself. Yes. And here's the like warning manual. Like there were two, two little booklets that each game came with. And I always tossed those out because I was like, well, I already have one. So I don't need that. And so I, I remember still being mad at my mom for throwing all my boxes away one day. And then, than thinking about it and going, well, I guess I had already gotten rid of part of it, so it doesn't. It's not like it would have been worth anything. So never mind, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. The one I'm kicking myself about is a Chrono Trigger I lent to someone who wouldn't give it back, oh. and that was like originally like ninety dollars at the time. I think I saved yeah. up my allowance for it. It was before, right before I got a job. I think I got that game, and it was just like, ugh. That, that, that one, even out of box, like is still worth something. That's that's kind of that's shady. That sucks. It was. It was like right before. It was in my senior year. I didn't really know the guy that well. I should have. Uh, yeah. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. But it's uh, that kind of stuff would would happen. I mean, people would trade games with each other, uh, or you'd rent it from the store. But the selection is pretty limited. Yeah. Because um, we, the store I would go to as a kid when I moved back to the states uh, for the Nintendo stuff was just next to the grocery store and it was a really tiny video rental mm-hmm. place. And then when we found about Blockbuster Video, we just couldn't believe how big it was. How big the selection was? Yes, you could yeah, rent a selection. Game Genie from Blockbuster. Holy crap. Oh, right. Yeah, you could. Um, I think Game Genie is how I beat this game the first time because I couldn't do it <laughs> by myself and it was fun to try the different things on there. It still takes a long time and you still need the timing to get it past the pits and everything. But yeah. I think I I uh, I don't think I really understood how to use the game genie. I tried uh, because I wanted to give myself ninety nine lives in Ninja Turtles so I could finally get past the water level with the bombs. Oh, yes. And and well, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And I think I I think that eventually spurned me on to just doing it myself, which I eventually did. But that was the that was like. When when I convinced my mom to let me rent the game genie, I, I was like, I'm going to use it for a very <laughs> specific purpose. <laughs> this is what I want it for. Right. I remember getting the game genie, I guess, for Christmas, and then we had some cousins over, and my uncle was complaining about the game genie because these games cost quite a lot of money and these let you beat them really quickly. And when I got <laughs> older I understood what you meant, but fifty dollars right. back then was more than uh, it is now. And uh, 
I mean, the, what a box looked like was so important. I think going back to Zelda too, and this was like, just had a sword on the box and still sold millions of copies. Mm-hmm. It really kind of speaks to, um, how a lot of times, you know, the, there was a lot of license crap, as you were saying earlier with the home alone stuff. So, yeah. Um, I, I think I rented that at some point and just had no idea what to do. Was your first game you ever beat? Was that a Zelda game or no? No, uh, that, that was DuckTales, actually, the Capcom. Oh, DuckTales. yeah, that's a good one. Mine was Bionic um, Commando, and I tried oh, to wow. play that recently. It's extremely hard. It uh, is. Yeah, I don't know how I how I did it with the... Uh, Kudos. Because you have physics. Yeah, it was... I guess when I had all the time in the world, I could beat... I'm still really bad at beating games. I still enjoy them, but um, if one can... I can focus on until the end these days. I'm happy about that, and I don't... As you get older, you can afford stuff. You don't have time for everything. Right. So, hence why we're yeah, talking that's... about old games. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a game where you have to uh, acclimate to it. You have to right. kind of rethink the way you're going to play it because you, there is no jump button. There's a swing button. Yes. And yeah, when I've tried to go back to it, you know, and oftentimes how you do, you play old games uh, in like an emulator format or something. Mm-hmm. where I boot it up and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play Bionic Commando because I, I know it's a good game and I never played it. And, and you know, after about 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm going to play something else because <laughs> I'll come back to this later when I have time to actually do what it wants me to do. I think, I think the other fun thing about uh, going back to Game Genie is you could you could actually use that to not teach yourself programming, but uh, give yourself an idea of what it what goes into a game because you can sit there and you know change values for things if you True. want. True, yeah. Because I think and, the uh, idea at the time is the Game Genie came with a book that covered popular games at the time, and if you wanted newer stuff or different codes, you'd have to buy another book. But I never mm-hmm. bought another book, and I didn't have the internet, so a lot of it was, <laughs> was like you were saying, just screwing around with combinations and. Okay, if this one makes Mario fly all the time, what if I put this in uh, Mario Two, right, or something along those lines? Uh, or sometimes they would just freeze the game or just break it completely, or, oh, or make the numbers and the score look weird and, and so forth. Yeah, and you you just restart and try again. Well, here's something I remember is uh, looking back on this uh, Zelda Two. Um, I had one of those How to Win at Nintendo books. It was a series of paperbacks, but they had no photos. It was so useless. <laughs> so like so a guy is writing prose about go to this dungeon and go here and on this maze, go here. And it's like you, the pictures really make a big difference for uh, hint guides, especially in things with mazes like uh, Zelda How elitist of him. Yeah, well, yeah. It's also cost-saving and time-saving. Um, <laughs> but... Right. It's just one of those things where you think, well, this is, but they were successful enough. The guy I, I later looked up did at least eight of these books. Did oh, really? Genesis and Game Boy and Game Gear, all this kinds of stuff. But it's like, who wants to read a walkthrough of like Sonic the Hedgehog, like in prose? Yeah. Collect, collect the rings and avoid the spikes and hit the boss on the bottom as he glows. Because I often kind of go back to those, uh, those like, ASCII walkthroughs yes. um, yeah. to, to read them for like, like with the uh, Home Alone 2 again. Um, 
because there's no guides out there on how to speed run that game. And so, cause you know, who would, who would write a guide for a game like that? So I have to like actually read a, a full walkthrough with everything detailed and how everything works. Um, but yeah, that that's certainly something that like a parent would get or a kid would think they wanted be like, yeah, no, I need that. I want to be, I want to be super good at that Zelda game. But in practice, uh, you just have to read, read it like a, <laughs> like a book. <laughs> maybe they were trying yeah, to avoid a copyright. Those. Yeah. Maybe they were trying to avoid a copyright thing maybe with, uh, not having pictures. I don't know. Cause... Yeah, that that's true. But then, you know, there, you still have all there the names other magazines though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's, uh, EGM, Nintendo Power, mm-hmm. uh, all, all sorts of different things going on. So, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I guess maybe. Nah, I don't. I mean, it's still publishing in a way. I don't know. I don't know how those rules work or how they would have worked back then. Well, to get the a wild, photo wild back West then, you would the have 80s. to have like a really. Uh, you'd have to have a good camera and a TV and turn all the lights off and hope that it doesn't come out blurry. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you would scan it in the computer or do layout by hand. Oh, that yep. just sounds annoying. Because I, yeah, no. I did newspaper in college and, or in high school in college. And in high school, we had to do it by hand. Um, which is yeah, high school, we did, uh, we did not have to do it by hand. We did it in computer. But yeah, um, we definitely learned about how you did it by hand. And then my mom was also... Uh, in newspaper and actually both my parents were um, and uh, did not get along because they were in different parts of the newspaper production process. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, so I definitely had to hear all the horror stories about doing layout and stuff. And now I, that sounds like a nightmare. Um, it sounds like a fun nightmare, but uh, it still sounds like a nightmare. It's a lot of sticky, smelly glue. Mm hmm. And uh, doing straight lines, which I'm bad at. So, but it was, yeah. it, I guess I glad, was glad to have the experience. I don't know. It was strange, but uh, I keep getting off topic. Back to yeah. Zelda 2. I mean, I think you've, you've talked about it a lot on this show when you, you covered it originally. How many episodes did it take up? I want to say seven. No, maybe we, I don't think we covered, maybe we covered two dungeons per per episode. So it'd be three or four or something like that. Uh, either f- like from four to four to six, I four would. Four to think. six, okay, okay, yeah, makes sense. It's um, uh, and I was the only one having a good time, <laughs> right? And there's, uh, well, I'm glad I'm not the only one, but yeah, it's. I can see why people don't like this game. It's like the least Zelda Zelda, um, and yet you had something with games that were number two in a series on Nintendo, mm-hmm. like Zelda two, Mario two, Castlevania two. Yeah, where for, for different the... reasons they were so different that when they got to number three, they kind of went back to uh, the original, and it was like this weird yeah, side fun. story never existed. Yeah, that, that that was a fun experiment. I mean, this is even you know they they grab people from uh, R and D one to help make this game. Mm, so not um, the A team. Yeah, because I, I think they the A team was busy trying to make uh, Mario three. So. Um, they grab some people from, you know, like, uh, uh, Yokoi's group to, and, you know, the R and D one, they were, they were always a, an odd bunch. They, 
they kind of, you know, moved to their own beat, I think. Um, you know, with, with games like Metroid, Kid Icarus, and, you know, then eventually the Wario series, and, and they were heavily involved in, in designing systems, I guess, or at least the Game Boy. So they kind of became the Game Boy team. But yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're an odd group. I like their games, though. Did they do Balloon Fight? Who did Balloon Fight? Because that would have been that would have been an arcade game initially, right? I think you're right. That was pretty old, but it doesn't. Um, for some reason, I thought I they did Balloon Fight. Maybe not. That's another one that's kind of strange, where uh, it's a different kind of gameplay, and you go from right to left. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's and that's just the the endless mode because then there's the battle mode as well, which is you know more like uh, Joust. Sure. Um, who did do Balloon Fight? Now I want to see. Sorry, Jeremy. Now that you're, <laughs> I know you're editing this. Uh, and then they, you know, of course, the famous story is um, uh, Awada came in to be like, "Look, here's how you do." Uh, yeah, no, Sakamoto. He he worked on uh, this game, right? Or am I getting that mixed up with a different guy? Let's see. Um, was, uh, no, no, that is a different Shimizu, guy. Okay. Kazunobu Shimizu, and Miyamoto and Tadashi Sugiyama. So yeah, uh, he yeah. So but he did work on um, Metroid and stuff. So yeah, I guess that would have been Yokoi's team. Maybe that's um, where they got the inspiration for the verticality in the Dungeons and Adventure of Link because you have a lot of that in Zel in uh, Metroid. Mm-hmm. And in the dungeons here, you're going up and down the floors, and it's side scrolling. Um, also reminds me a little bit of elevator action in some ways. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they're just. Uh, I think I don't know. I don't know if they also made the disc system. I think that would have been um, um, R and D three or two. Um. But uh, I can't even remember his name. He just retired recently. Um, but yeah, they... Eh, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird collaboration. It, it turned out a, a weird game. Um, I enjoy it. I don't think it's necessarily the best thing Nintendo's ever done. But and, and then, like I said, when I get together to talk about it with someone, I end up complaining more than I, than I do gushing about it. But I still think it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of another game, other games that have this kind of mechanic, like a side-scrolling RPG thing going on. You have uh, Battle of Olympus, or it might be Battle for Olympus. I always get that messed up. is is a really good NES game, and uh, it was centered around Greek mythology, as you might guess from the title. And there's also a game called Faxanadu that's yeah. uh, weird and hard. Uh, that a friend of mine had that I remember us playing that was also side-scrolling, but that felt more like a, a PC RPG in some ways. That's uh, that's one of the games on our on our list of Zelda likes that we'd like to get to someday, um, which, you know, that list is huge at this point. Who knows if we will, and especially if you pitch it as a Zelda 2-like. Um, there's another game that this team worked on together around the same time and I can I can never remember the name of it. Um it pops up 
it pops up from time to time, but it, it, I think it was a collaboration between Miyamoto's team and Yokoi's team. And um, is often considered a sister game, but I can, I can never remember the name of it. This is really great, I know. <laughs> hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that's. Is there anything else you want to add to this? Because I think uh, I think we've covered plenty. Yeah, no, not especially. Just if you haven't played Zelda two in a while, maybe give it another spin and see uh, see what you think. Uh, Nintendo's always been good about putting their early Zelda games available uh, on their different systems, so it should be pretty easy to find uh, one way or another. Uh, yeah, see if you can't uh, get a game genie and just give yourself the hammer from the beginning. Yes, let me get a lot uh, faster. That 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 would help out a lot because then you get to the fun parts of the game real quick. Because yep. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I think the I think the game really starts when you get the downstab, and and it really opens up from there because once you get really good at the combat, it just it's it feels so much more fun to to play this game. And uh, I I do enjoy the crap out of it. I played uh, recently when I played through it. I did a reverse boss rush order. Oh, um, which just just means you you get the item and you leave and you come back <laughs> at the end. <laughs> All you really do is skip out on the experience points the bosses give you, which you can make up in other ways. So, yeah, just, just a little bit more grinding. Interesting. But, um, yeah. Why don't uh, tell us a little bit? A bit you know, give us your plugs and uh, and such, and and we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to everyone. Yep. Um, so yeah, this is my podcast, sequel cast two and friends. It's a part of the same podcast network as, uh, as this podcast. And, uh, we're at sequelcast2.com. And, um, we're currently looking at the four American tale movies. Yeah. And that's, um, that was something all right. And got to talk to, uh, an acquaintance of mine who, uh, Flint Dill, who was the writer on American tale Two: five goes west. Oh, cool. So that was neat to do. Um, other things we've covered recently has been like the Hobbit movies, The Shining, including the 90s miniseries starring Steven Weber. Um, kind of eclectic. We've been doing it for so long. But on the other hand, like we ne- we've never done the Marvel movies, really. We've never done a lot of the Batman stuff we've done, but other than that, Superman, the old ones, but uh, not a lot of the more recent stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if anybody knows any sequels, uh, we should do just a... Uh, toss them our way and uh i'll take a look at them i think we have toxic avengers coming up in a bit oh. we'll be doing <laughs> so there's four of those that should be pretty good yeah and yeah and uh, on twitter i'm at m-a-t-w-b-t yeah i haven't seen many of those uh marvel movies i think i've seen the the ones you're supposed to and then the guardians movies those are really good yep i was uh i was surprised i watched uh 503 after watching 502 <laughs> And uh, man, that is that I was not expecting the subject material of that movie. Yes, it's um, surprisingly serious compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, the yeah. It's, I don't know why it's so ambitious, but it is. Well, you know, the, it it does start with you know Papa just just being a real grump and really mean, and then we're like, yes. oh, we're going we're going for a 
the struggle of the working man <laughs> theme here <laughs> and the fat the fat rats that are running everything and i was like oh wow yeah <laughs> okay it probably plays better now than when it came out i bet yeah probably a lot better <laughs> it sounds like something someone should write like a 20 page polygon article about yeah exactly yeah. Uh, well thanks for coming by sure. um it was fun. yeah um and everyone knows where to find my stuff so one love and uh take it easy we'll see y'all later <laughs>